In case of emergency, the exits are here, 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 anywhere. Keep your hands and arms inside the carpet. We Name is Hades, Lord of the Dead. Hi, how you doing? We dance, we kiss, we schmooze, we carry on, we go home happy. What do you say? Come on. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Welcome, Ohana, to another fun filled episode of the Disney Guys Uncensored. This is episode 20. Recorded on August 5th, 2019. We are your hosts, Drew, Bob, and Jay. On tonight's episode, we take a look at some lost Walt Disney World attractions. So come journey with us through time and relive some of those memories that made us fall in love with Walt Disney World. Now, before we get started, let's see uh, what we've all been up to. Um, As far as myself, I just want to remind everybody... Make sure you guys stay tuned all the way towards the end of the show. Um, We have our book giveaway that we've been promoting all week um, with our special guest that we had last week, Andrew Christ. Um, So make sure you join us towards the end. Um, Besides that, my my week's been pretty slow. Uh, Not too much going on. I had a nice relaxing weekend. Uh, I I did buy a new treadmill. Um, I got to prepare for my run Disney events, and uh, that's only one way to do the training. Of course, so um, be using that. And the other thing I was thinking of, remember a couple of weeks ago, guys, when when John had the the famous question of which live action? I think it, I think it was Pixar specific, but which film would we make a live action film? Sure. I was re- really thinking, and what about the Black Cauldron? You know, I think that has the verge. Game of Thrones is hot right now. You have the Lord of the Rings. It's kind of has that same feel that I think you could almost make a mini series out of or or a season out of it. But um, I was just, I don't know, randomly thinking it. But anyways, enough about me. Jay, how have you been this week? Well, it's it's been a a fun week, I guess you could say. We we went up to uh, Bush Gardens this weekend just as a, uh, I guess you could say, a last hurrah before school starts. But uh, I don't know how many of you out there play board games, but we're big board game players. And there was a game that came out last Christmas called Disney's Villainous. It's more of a card game than a board game, but still in the same venue. Absolutely amazing game. We love playing it. They actually had the the second expansion pack come out this week called Evil Comes Prepared. It it comes... the villains that it added to the actual gameplay are Scar, of course, from The Lion King, Radigan from uh, Rescuers Down Under. I'm sorry, no. The Great Mouse Detective. What Great Mouse Detective. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and the one that we've been looking forward to, Yzma from The uh, Emperor's New Groove. I can tell you I will sleep much better tonight knowing that she's in a board game, Jay. I'm happy for you. (laughs) Jay, I'm also happy for you as well. Um. And the other thing that I'm excited about this week is something I've kind of hinted at for the last couple of weeks. Absolute Carnage releases this week. It's a three-month 
story arc in the Marvel series about can take, of course, obviously about Carnage, but also about one of my favorite characters, Venom. That comes out Wednesday with its first issue. Now, Jay, uh, for those uh, people that don't understand what time and effort we put into this show, <laughs> you told us something very interesting on the pre-show, also about Venom. Would you care Absolutely. to share that? So um, I'm sure you may or may not have uh, known about the fact that the Venom movie came out back in October, which personally I loved it. Great movie. Venom 2 now has a director. The director is going to be Andy Circus. Oh, love him. Great guy. Which, if you don't know who that is, think Gollum. From no, no, Lord. he was the guy in Tintin. Come on. That's him. He was the guy oh, in Tintin. Oh, you can't forget Caesar from That's Planet right. of the Apes. He was the guy in Tintin. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I'm Captain, taking a shot uh, at Tintin there. Had a Captain I'm going to be honest Captain. with you. Tintin? Criminally underrated. What a fan. What, what a fan. happened? They were supposed to make that like uh, another three episodes. It didn't do movie. well. Didn't do well. Yeah. Did well for me. I enjoyed Once it. Once again, it was criminally underrated. There's a lot of criminal. I'm going to tell you, that could be a developing theme for tonight. Criminal underration, <laughs> if that's even the correct terminology. Something I find criminally overrated from the last week. So we all know we're a Disney podcast first, but we're not those guys that take shots at Universal, or in Jay's case, he goes to Bush Gardens once a week. So, obviously, <laughs> we are equal opportunity employers here. We will, we will talk about anything you guys want to hear. Universal, with much hullabaloo, announced they're opening their fourth theme park this year. Mm -hmm. Announced that they're opening it in the future. Their fourth theme park in Orlando, which... Uh, Listen, guys, I know it's terminology. It is what it is. They can call it what they want. But by that count, that means Disney has 16 parks, not four. <laughs> so I have a real problem with calling Volcano Bay a theme park. It's a themed water park, but so is Blizzard Beach. So is Typhoon Lagoon. So is Aquatica. I mean, they're all themed water parks. Water am, am, I, am I overreacting here? Should I not care that Universal calls it a theme park and that they're making a fourth theme park? By the way, it's Universal's Epic Universe is what they're calling it. But um, it's a few years away. We don't know anything about the park. We can speculate there will be probably, a, I'm going to go out on a limb, probably a fantastic beast in where to find them land and kind of tie in Harry Potter. That's what I think they're going to do with it. Obviously, Nintendo Land. Nintendo Land. Uh, Andrew's very excited about DreamWorks Land to see what they bring in, because I think that could be entertaining with uh, Kung Fu Panda, uh, How to Train Your Dragon, <laughs> oh, Shrek. That's, that's, I mean, that's it your could be first go-to, Kung Fu Panda? That's a great film. Great film. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying it's not. That's criminally first underrated. Part. Look it up. Absolutely. Criminally underrated. Oh, it's criminally underrated in yes. general. Um, so that, that's, uh, that, that's my thing. Um, I'm excited about it. I, I think any competition is good competition. Especially with the two companies involved, Comcast and Disney, they uh, they they have enough money to build these things. So I'm glad somebody is keeping the flame alive. But I still can't get over that fourth theme park hump. It's it's a third theme park with a water park, in my opinion. Uh, something on a much different note, a little more Disney related. Uh, the Newport Folk Festival was uh, a couple weekends ago, and, and we missed it with our early schedule last week uh, when we recorded on Sunday instead of Monday. Uh, Kermit the Frog opened a, a Pete Seeger tribute with uh, with Jim James of My Morning Jacket 
and drummer Janet Weiss, uh, formerly of Sleater Kinney. She just left that band um, at the Folk Festival with a tribute and played, get this, guys, get this, Rainbow Connection. Okay. Huh. We posted the video to the page earlier this week. Um, what a video. What a song, really. Just a, a really, one of those songs that is eternally you know, a timeless, I guess we could say, a timeless song and and one that really spoke to the folk festival crowd. They ate it up. It was sold out down at Fort Adams State Park here in Rhode Island, and people loved it. It was great. Good performance. Again, Jim James, he, he's okay. I'm not a big My Morning Jacket fan. It's, it's a little bit fancy for me, but uh, moving on, I got to tell you, uh, I was excited to see Kermit open the festival, and they gave him a standing ovation. If you haven't seen the video, it is on our Facebook page. Check it out. It was pretty cool. Um, so for me, that, that wraps up my week. I, I think we've all you know, had a pretty easygoing week. I know my son lost his third tooth. Um, he, he looks like a goober, and I love him for it. And uh, Other than that, we do have some Disney news this week, so I'm going to toss it over to Jay, who is at the Disney News Desk. Absolutely. So, a new grab-and-go dining location. Java will be serving coffee ready-to-make sandwiches. I'm sorry, ready to be ready-made sandwiches. <laughs> and snacks will debut later this summer, summer, followed by a frozen drink counter in the fall. Both will be located in the Swan Lobby. House of Blues will be offering a new weekend brunch event. The Bayou Brunch will be served every Saturday and Sunday, $33 for adults, $15 for children. Additionally, there will be live music from Brown Bag Bass Band, who will say that three times fast, <laughs> who will entertain guests in Dixieland Jazz and Brass Band section. And I, so, and I think that's now live, right? That started this That started this weekend. weekend. Right. Ironically, guys, I don't find 33 bucks that bad. I'll be honest. It's really not. When I saw the no. price, I said, that seems I seems like a typo, but it is thirty three bucks. Fantastic, and who doesn't like a good Dixie Dixie Land band when you're having your breakfast? Let's be honest. And I think it'll I think it'll do well though. Thirty three bucks, and I, dare I say, the House of Blues, criminally underrated restaurant down in downtown Disney. So, House of uh, Blues yeah. everywhere is criminally underrated. What are you talking about? I agree. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of uh, House of Blues. Absolutely. Over at the Dinoland Animal Kingdom, Primeval oh, World oh. is still closed. It closed in, unexpectedly back in June and is unlikely to be reopened until the end of September. Disney has given no reason for the closure other than maintenance issues. FPs. <laughs> if the schedule holds, then it will have been down for three whole months. This seems like a long time for an unannounced maintenance issue. Stay tuned. We'll keep you updated on that one. Yeah, yeah so that's odd. That's so bizarre. They've said nothing about this. No. Like, what are you playing at? First of all, the ride's not even that good. But, no. But what are you playing at, Disney? Either take it down or fix it. I mean, there's been so many funny rumors. I think the funniest one we've heard, right, was like you said, Bob. They, they said it was it was close due to bees. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it was a bee <laughs> habitat. I mean, there was other ones. I mean, I, 
Uh, yeah, we don't have to get into it. I think back to Tommy Boy when they get pulled over. Yes. <laughs> Are you ready? Just jump out of the car and start yelling bees. Well, I'm allergic. Well, I'm allergic. And I, and I can't help but think that they can't get there to remove the nest because all of the Imagineers and engineers and maintenance guys are allergic to bees. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's one of those. Uh, Bob, why don't you take us that, that next one? Oh, yes. It's a small world, guys. My personal favorite ride and friend of the show, Josh Winpenny, also... Big fan of a small world. We have some, I want to say, rumorish news. I want to tell you that they're going to be getting Disney characters in a small world. Now, it is rumor, and it is scheduled to be completed by the 50th anniversary in 2021. Not a huge deal to me here, Drew, uh, because yeah, three of the yeah. parks already have it. And really, no. the design of the characters really fits the aesthetic of the ride. Yeah, like it, Tokyo, Hong Kong, and Disneyland all already have the characters in a small world. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't it, see it, this being a huge deal. It's not, but it will be to those traditionalists who don't want it. And, and, and some examples are, right? They, they talked about adding Moana in there, um, Lilo and Stitch in Hawaii, no. uh, Merida. Well, it, um, it, no. it, it made sense, but I... Again, it doesn't affect me. I think it's great. It helps me tell me a little bit more of where I'm, where I am in the in the world. But um, you'll have those traditionalists that say you're ruining the ride, and you know all of that, of course, just like anything. Well, there'll be apologists at that point because ultimately, if you've ever seen it, and you can look up the pictures. I think we talked about this yes, earlier today. Yep. We looked at the pictures. I mean, it's seamless. It just brings it a little bit it, extra to the ride. It's not. I don't find it offensive. And I'm the first one to tell you, and you'll find that out in this week's episode. That I am a traditionalist at heart, and I do not see a problem with this. No, I don't. I, it's not affecting the, the, the original ride, right? Nope. And, and i got to imagine this is something that could almost do overnight or a one-day shutdown. Well, they said it might be a couple of months in the middle of next year, well, if, if, according to the schedule. They could pair it with a full-on refurb. That's well, maybe they'll thing. clean it up and clean some sets up and some of the effects, I'm sure. Yeah, that makes sense. But, uh, yeah, so let's, let's move on here to um, our last bullet here. Um, so Disney has filed a patent for um, augmented reality experience for use with ESPN Wild World of Sports. So um, they're going to be using it for some live events. It's kind of the the thing to do nowadays, I guess. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, how do you feel about this, Bob? I mean, it's, it's one of those things you people either love AR or you just don't really have a need for it, right? So I'm a take it or leave it kind of guy. I, I don't really care one way or another on it i'd be interested to see it at a live event i don't know you know what you're gonna gain out of it um but ultimately i'm an experienced guy i'm a i'm a, I'm a 3d visual you got to be there feel it so all into reality hasn't been a huge deal for me uh, but listen well, maybe I, I, maybe listen, for those events you can't make it to now you feel like you can right so i know <laughs> i know they're doing i i want to say it was espn did this they had an option where you could do it with some of the NBA games they broadcast like you were sitting courtside. So that, that's pretty cool. I'll say that. So you put, the, you put the augmented reality on, you put your phone in it, you watch the game on the ESPN app, and it's like you're sitting courtside. It, it's, it's super cool. I, I will say that. I just don't know if I'm ever going to use it. I mean, I, maybe a World Cup final I'd like to see. You know, that, would, that would be a good time. Yeah. But. You'll be hitting the beach ball around the stands. I get it. 
You good? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's it for uh, the uh, Disney News Desk this week. Again, very quick stuff there. Nothing crazy. And, and I think we're ready to uh, hit the topic of the week. All right, so this week is going to be... I know Bubba has been so excited for this episode. He's been asking me to do something like this since we started almost, right, Bub? Yeah, I think Uh, so. Like you just alluded to, you're very passionate. You're the traditionalist, but you're acceptant with the newer stuff as well. So um, what we're going to do is... Now, for those that don't know, there are tons of um, lost attractions or rides that are no longer with us. Um, so we 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 made a huge list, and we said, well, there's no way that we can go through each one and give those attractions justice, right? If we were to go do them all, we would just be listing them, and that'd be pretty much it. So we decided to go with um, six attractions. Now, they're not all the biggest attractions or the best attractions or even our favorite attractions, but we wanted to get a good balance, and I think we did a pretty good job at balancing these sits, and we're going to talk about them a little bit. Yeah. Um, so the, the first uh, one we're talking about is something that a lot of people have been on, um, and I'm referring to Snow White Adventures. Um, so it, it was uh, an original opening day attraction, right, Bub? 1971? Yes, sir. Um, over in Fantasyland at Magic Kingdom. And with this, it's, it's, it's funny because people kind of get confused right there's actually two versions of this ride and we'll get into them both in a minute there's snow white's adventures and then there's snow white's scary adventures so 1971 it was just snow white's adventures and i mean it was a legit haunted house yeah i would say it was the most intense dark ride they ever made um there's another one on this list that we're doing tonight that's fairly close but Um, it's it's funny but it's not it's, it's not close in intensity you're right it's not maybe the last wow. scene of the ride but but this ride beginning to end is intense i think the imagineers were so far ahead of their time i agree because, because people don't understand in that original version you were snow white it was a first person narrative you were going yep. through the film as snow white what right. i don't understand that and again we had this conversation all week we said the ending of the ride well yeah but yeah and i agree before we even get there right so it was i mean like you said it's legit think about those old carnival haunted houses you sit in the cart you go through that's kind of what it was right correct and like you like you said people see snow white's adventures sounds tight right you know fun kid friendly kid friendly right it it, until like you said bob snow white but (laughs) snow white is not in the ride and uh, the seven dwarfs are are barely in it, to be honest, as well. And it's really yeah, it's all pretty about much the evil queen attacks. It's unbelievable. The evil queen as the old lady witch most of the time. Um, yeah, you're riding in the the mine carts never really change. So you're in your mine cart that has a uh, you know one of the dwarfs names on it, and you try to go through these these six different areas, right? Um, the th- the facade on the outside and the, on, right on the inside, you have the mirror of all the pictures. Then you go into the queen's chamber. Then you go into a dungeon, which is legit. Like, you think of Parts Caribbean, you have the end scene with the cell and the dungeon. Like, okay, that's friendly. No, like, this is a dungeon that is, is kind of freaky, right? You have the skeletons, like, a lot of them, um, and they have the strobe lights, and it's dark. It's, it's scary. You move into the frightening forest. 
you go into the dwarf's cottage where you're like, oh, okay, this will be fun. You'll sit in this. No, yeah, it's right. not fun. The furniture is coming alive. You know, it's 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 yeah. crazy. It's uh, it's an acid trip gone bad. And, and then and then <laughs> you move into uh, the the mine where it, it, you know that's probably the coolest scene with all the gems and and you know light sparkles. But so you see the giant one being dumped on top of you. Exactly right. So now you have the witch on top of the exit of the mine and a gem that's you know almost the size of a car, and it's right. she's literally pushing the thing on you, and it makes it seem like you lose. The witch wins, right? right. I mean, she pretty much pushes the gem on you, and you lose. You're you're dead. You lose that ride. Game over. You're dead. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so then um a lot of people kind of what complained right so 1994 comes around they re- <laughs> this is what i don't get they redesigned the whole ride and they call it they changed the name from snow white's adventure to snow white's scary adventures <laughs> so right they're saying yeah we agree with you it's scary so we're going to add the word scary and then we're going to make it less scary right you know um but it, yeah, but it was but it was still scary, in a way. You know, they they added were, that the jump scares were still there. They were, and they they added that very black light effect with all everything was painted in that uh you know like the neon type colors to give the extra little glow. It was very colorful. Um, I would say the cottage scene was probably the biggest improvement where they had a lot of now the three D dwarf figures and. Don't um, you worry, folks. You can still see that directly across the park. Right at the last scene of Snow White uh, of the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. Yes, yes, no, absolutely. Uh, right. It's pretty much almost the same. You're right. Yeah. Um, but it, it definitely followed the flow of the movie. Yeah, I it followed say. the film better the second time. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing with that original attraction was that first person narrative because right. it was happening to you, it was happening. To you as you were going through the ride, she was attacking you, the, yes. the, the the park guest, and it made it much more passive. So they didn't necessarily. I don't think they changed a ton of the structure of the ride and how it was laid out, but it became a passive experience that you were watching instead of being the one that was getting a boulder dropped on them. Uh, <laughs> so it it is Andrew. It's it's one of those things because I just you look at it. It's still available in Disneyland. Still available in Paris, still right. available in Tokyo. All so the Tokyo version, from what I'm told, and I've again never been to Tokyo, never been on it, is the closest open version to the original Magic Kingdom version. Right. Um, that that's what I am told. Yep. Um, I hear Disneyland is closer to the scary adventure one, and Paris is somewhere in the middle. So yeah, it makes you wonder. You know, 2012 is when it closed, so it had a very good run. Um, my guess would just be, you know, it was getting a little outdated. I mean, the ride wasn't great, um, but it's not very often you see a ride attraction close to not be replaced by another ride. Right? But it that, did, though. But this is the thing. Well, and, and I've gone back and forth with myself on this argument the entire weekend. I said, you know, they replaced it with the meet and greet. They replaced it with Fairy Tale Hall, which... Is a great meet and greet set. I love it. I think it's great. It's great. I, it's I'm wonderful. never a fan of replacing an attraction with a meet and greet. But they took the Snow White story and moved yep. it across the road to the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. 
They did. They did kill. I, I mean, that's right. what they did. You're right. They did you, you say you're not a fan of replacing with a uh, a meet and greet, but I have a feeling there's uh, something we might be talking about later that they did that might have been for the better. <laughs> well, maybe we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, <laughs> you I must know, be talking Bob, about but... Davy Crockett's River Canoes. Oh, you know it, of course. <laughs> but Bob, I think, I think you're, absolutely, you're absolutely right. They They've made an attraction that fans want. Whether, we don't have to get into it whether it's good or bad. Fans want that thrill-seeking ride, right? That's They like that. So right. I, I like the idea that they they kind of shifted gears into the new, you know, time frame and, and saw what people wanted. But I agree. So overall... I just uh, I will never support, except in the instance I think Jay is talking about, replacing <laughs> an attraction with a a meet and greet but again i talked myself out of that argument because ultimately what they did here is to fully understand when they made new fantasy land was where seven dwarfs is now was where the aerial meet and greet was so you took the two you flipped them and then you got a bonus ride on the backside of seven dwarfs which is kind of the dark ride replacement of snow white in in the better you know, Voyage of the Little Mermaid. So, right. I, again, it's a net gain at the end of the day. You just... It is. This, this isn't a... This, it, it, it's a quote-unquote classic attraction. It's probably not the best ride on this list. It's no. not the worst ride on the list, but it's probably not the best ride on the list. And that's okay. So, yeah, I agree. But it is one of those that the videos are out there, and because it's still open in a couple places, you get a fairly good representation of what the ride was. Um and again, I, I don't know that my kids would have loved it, to be honest, at their ages. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe it's better off, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I'm going to so put you on the next ride, which also has a bit of controversy surrounding it. We're talking Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Come along, hop up here. We'll go for a jolly ride. The open road, the dusty highway. Come, I'll show you the world. So this was a ride that actually did open with Disneyland originally and also opened up with Disney World. So when they opened it up at Disney World, it was there were quite a few advancements that had been made technologically. So they made it better when they brought it to Disney World and it actually gave it two different tracks. It wasn't just one ride track. They had two very different rides. Yep. Now, the beginning and the end of the ride were very were, were pretty much the same. Yep. But the, 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 the one side of the ride was a ride through the countryside, you know, with some livestock and stuff like that. The other was a ride through the city. Either way you went, it was a wild ride, go, you know, running things over, running people over possibly, almost running into the other car on the opposite side. But the controversial part, well, more than one of the controversial parts, I should yeah. say, <laughs> was you actually ended up dying and going to hell. Again, another dark ride, and I'm using dark in air quotes because it was another dark version of a dark ride. That's what we're saying. So the two rides that come at you right away, this is probably the more well-regarded ride. Absolutely. And it's weird. I'm at, a, I'm at a place in my life where I think about nostalgia, and I've said it to you guys all week, that nostalgia is a powerful aphrodisiac, and that 
you look at Mr. Toad's wild ride, and I think Andrew has the most succinct explanation of the ride ever heard. It sucks. It's, it's not that good of a ride good. anymore. It's it's one of those things where I'm so in love with Mr. Toad the character that I can't separate Mr. Toad the ride. The ride is okay. It's it's a lot of flat 2D, which I understand is by design, and some of the effects are still pretty cool. Mr. Winky behind the bar on the left track, and and he you know he ducks down, but the beer the the beer spins uh, and glasses still spin. It's cool. Yeah. It's a great effect. Um, but yeah, how dark can you get, man? You literally go head on to a train, boom, and it's not like subtle. You go through a door, and there's the effing devil. So yeah, you're in hell. Like I don't know what to tell you. It's not like it's this. Oh yeah, well no, I guess we kind of got hit by that train. Oh no no, you are dead, sir. You are dead. Yeah, um, you know, you're right. And I, I went. I know it's a little bit different. I, I have gone on the Disneyland one about six, seven years ago. Yeah, that's so it's the a right little... track one though, which is the is is not the good ride. It's not. So the uh, really quick. Um, so 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 track one, which is the right track. You start in the library. You go through Toad Hall, the barnyard. Um, you you share a hallway and town courtyard with both tracks. That's the central area. Um, but then track one, you go into like a jail. It doesn't really make sense. You go in with uh, you go through a police chase, and then you hit your railroad. Now track two. Well, it's like, one of those things. If you're going through the city, you're kind of ransacking, possibly running everybody over. Right. That's where the police come yeah. in, into play, right. and that's yeah. why it's Mister Toad's Wild Ride. Or not his, I, um, I would make a Princess okay. Diana joke, but I'm not sure that we're there yet. So I'm gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make it. Well, I think you did. You just did. <laughs> then, yeah. So the second, the well, second, fact, the the judge in that track is actually a police officer as well, just with a gavel. Uh, well, so the second trap starts you off in like their trophy room. You go through a kitchen, then you go through like a gypsy camp in the forest, yep. kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And then you go back to the shared hallway, the town courtyard. But then, as Bubba alluded to, you go to Winky's Tavern Love and Mr. Ratty's Winky. house. Um, yep. And then again, you end with the railroad in the hell. I mean, it's, I, I get it. The 70s, the 50s, when these rides were created, it, it was a different time. It We're was an diff- awesome time to be making <laughs> theme park attractions, apparently. Different humor, but this ride lasted the 98 in Disney World and still open in Disneyland baffles me. I mean, it's not good. It, it's just not. Um, okay, prepare for the emails because you just upset, you know, two-thirds I get it. of the listening it audience. Has, it has the cult following. And I want someone to come on, come to send the email. Let me know what makes this ride special for you. Because yes, I, that is Andrew saying, "Come at me, bro." Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, like I said, I've been on it six years ago. Again, Disneyland version, but I, I don't, I don't so, get it. So it's funny to me because Disneyland Paris was going to get this ride. Disneyland Paris was going to get a Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. It was going to be thematically much different than either of the American versions because of European sensitivities and sensibilities, I guess. Not sensitivities, but sensibilities. So it would have told a different version of the story because it is an English story. You know, the the Wind of the Willows and and, and, uh, the Headless Horseman there. So it would have been a different version of the ride. They didn't get it. Instead, they have the Toad Hall Restaurant. That serves pretty standard English and, and, and French fare and some American cuisine. Pretty standard stuff. But that's been open for quite a while. It's, it's actually fairly well done. 
And it makes you wonder, is there a place for Toad in today's theme parks, specifically in Orlando? No. Because I feel like, again, on nostalgia alone, you could do it. But would it generate the fannies in the seats? Like, if you, if you replace Pinocchio's Village House with a Mr. Toad restaurant, outside of the initial bump because of Mr. Toad, would it sustain greatness? And, and I don't know that it would. Like, I love Mr. Toad. I just right. I, I don't see where, at this point, you could bring him back to the Orlando parks and it would be successful. I could be wrong. I could be dead wrong, but I, I don't Maybe see... Maybe if they did a revival movie, you know, brought, brought it back in a different way. You no, know, I heard vicious rumors we could be getting a live-action Mr. Toad. That's a lie, oh, but would it surprise you if I wasn't lying right now? No, it wouldn't. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. Um, what I want to talk about, though, is a ride that I think, and I, I'm partial, obviously, I think is better than Mr. Toad. I think I mean, that The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh is a better attraction than Mr. Toad for today's park-going crowds. Right. Uh, it's bright, it's colorful, it's, it's entertaining, it's energetic. It still has you some of that heffalump and woozle. There's poo everywhere. Correct, <laughs> correct. But, you know, the heffalump and woozle room is a little bit creepy, but it's yeah. just the right amount of creepy. It's not over the top where you're in hell. So, exactly. And, you know, there's a nice tribute there in Owl's Treehouse, the picture of Mr. Toad signing the deed to Toad's oh. Hall. Sounds like a blink and you miss it. Let me tell you, blink and you miss it. Because you have to be positioned the right way in the honeypot and looking the right time to see it. Yeah. But it is a nice little touch. Um, and again, listen, I, Mr. Toad merchandise is going to sell. I just question whether Mr. Toad would need... A, a standalone building for himself right now. So no. I thought the French I will say this too, was that the actual statue of Toad himself is at the Haunted Mansion. Correct. In the cemetery. So hey, well, never say treasure. never. Never say never. Right. I mean, I, I'm pretty confident I can say never. <laughs> Listen, never say never, but I think in this instance you would be right to say mm, probably not. Right. So, but so, speaking of that, I think we're going to upgrade quite a bit, Bob, to one of your personal favorites. Yeah. And uh, why don't you yeah, take so us away here? I have been, as Andrew alluded to, pushing the hell out of him to do an episode about lost attractions and, and pretty much, I don't want to say yesteryear, but what the parks used to be. And if you've listened to any of our 20 episodes... You know that I am a sucker for the original Epcot. Epcot Center, Epcot, you know, 85, whatever you want to call it. I loved Epcot. To me, there was only one ride to do from Epcot for this, our first show of Lost Attractions. What's that one, Bob? I'm glad you asked. It's actually Horizons. probably should have been the centerpiece of the park when we get into it. We're going to explain that smoking hot take in a second. This, I think, encapsulates what Epcot meant when it first opened, more so than Spaceship Earth did. And I really feel like they missed their opportunity to have something great. Because I personally love this ride. I just watched the video. I actually was so 
engrossed by it and so emotional about it. I I, I did post it to the Facebook page just a couple hours ago. Just and the beautiful mural and the beautiful mural that's there. I posted that as well. It's it's a I mean it's so let's just get to it. First and foremost, consider the sequel to the Carousel of Progress, which is fantastic. More steel than Spaceship Earth to build this ride. That's something right. incredible. Um, $60 million price tag to build this attraction. So I don't know that we're going to sit here and, and go through every bit of this attraction because that would probably take us all night. Yeah. What I will say, guys, for me is just the overarching theme that this attraction housed everything that Future World was. It, it did house communication and community interaction and energy and, and transportation and, and farming and, and, and anatomy, physiology, and, and man's relationships with the sea, the land, the air, and space. So that's where I'm going with the whole, I think this might have fit better in the middle of Future World instead of Future World East between World of Motion and Wonders of Life. Agreed. Which, ironically, neither of those pavilions exist right now either. And stay tuned to future episodes. Maybe we'll do those too. And really but, quick, Bob, if, if for those people who are out there trying to say, I still don't know what the hell Bob's talking about, or you can't picture it, the best way I, when I did all my research on this ride, it's, it's described as, like Bob said, a sequel to the Carousel of Progress. So think Carousel of Progress kind of merged almost with Spaceship Earth, right? That's it, fair. In a way, you got the spaceship Earth type um, car system or people mover type system, right. and then you still have the Carousel of Progress idea, but think of it as more future related. And well, wasn't this technically supposed to be the sequel to Carousel of Progress? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, as Bob said, you know, and he'll get into a little bit more, but. My feel is is that the ride was kind of a bit all over the place as far as theming goes. And, Bob, I know that's what your point was, is that it kind of includes... Right, it, it encapsulated everything, everything right? that was Future World, which I think was... And again, similar to what we talked about with Snow White and Mr. Toad, I just think they were so far ahead of their time with this attraction. Yeah, I, I think it I was. Think that which, the, which is good for then, right? I right. Mean, that's, that's what you want. Right? Like this you is want... A, let's make no mistake. This is a very ambitious narrative they're trying to tell in this right. in, in this ride. It's fourteen yeah. and a half minutes, and you're trying to 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 consolidate uh, six or seven different topics and, and what they're going to be in the future. I will tell you, it was breathtaking. It was groundbreaking. It and again, and, and Andrew's exactly right though. It is all over the place. It completely <laughs> is all over the place. But I think that's the idea. It aspired to something bigger than what it was. It was it, was why this ride like has said, that visuals alone. I mean, you go look at even Carousel of Progress, right? I mean, yes, it's outdated, but I mean, it's still it's fifty years old. It still isn't bad <laughs> when you think about that, right? Correct. I mean, think about think about that as a whole, right? And then and then with the visualist effects that they added. It actually is well ahead of its time. I 100% agree with you. Right. But think uh, about how it starts. So you walk through and it's the spaceport, okay? You get into the car on the on the, the, the standard, you know, treadmill setup that it's continuously moving on the mover. We all know that, okay? Yep. 
So you go into the looking back at tomorrow. So that gave you a look back at, you know, the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and, and even earlier, and what they envisioned the future to be. Jules Verne, people like that. So super cool like that. Then you go into that dome scene where they have two giant Omnimax screens where they're showing you all of the modern technologies and ideas to build what's going to come in the future. Right. And at the time, we're saying, oh, IMAX screens, Christ, they're in malls now. But at <laughs> the time, at the time, to, to, to have two, what amounts to planetariums in, in this one attraction side by each, it was Amazing. an incredible visual effect. It was, it, it was insane to, to think about what they were doing. And this was in 1983 that yeah, this ride yeah. opened. It's not like it was opened in the 90s and it survived for 10 well, years. But you got to think, too, that it's probably really five years older than that technology-wise, right? Right. So they start they, – they, right. They did – so originally this was going to be over where uh, the Living Seas is. And the Living Seas is going to be over on the other side of the park where this was. So they kind of switched spots. Um, and, yeah, this was just steel framework in 82 when it opened so they would have had to done the foundation they would have had the general you know concept done they had the, uh, they had a lot of the i mean so you're right yeah. the, by 1983 this ride is probably four years in the making yeah mm -hmm. i mean so to think about how far ahead of its time it was and again i i, I know we could again we could whack or i could specifically wax poetic about horizons <laughs> until midnight tonight and you guys would be bored to tears we could break down each scene, and you'd be sh you'd be <laughs> shooting me emails saying, "Please shut the f up, please." And I would say, "Okay, you're right. Let's move on." I, I just well, a couple things that yeah I wanted to touch on towards the end of the ride. So if you guys have anything <laughs> to talk about for the ride, by all means, this would be the time to do it. Because I do think, again, speaking ahead of its time, the ending of this ride was oh, yeah, about it was about thirty ending. years ahead of its time. I agree. And before you get to that, Bob, I do have two things that are kind of Correct. hierarchy. But so yeah. the the first one I will say is I thought the visuals was again so well done. So a lot of the stuff they did, oh, they would insane. have yep. their three D visual props up front, and they would have a lot of projection systems in the back, right? So Correct. they would create this environment where. They, the, uh, it was like the point of view where you think you're actually in the set because you, you're you you're here with the props in front of you. And the same thing with Carousel of Progress, right? They have, you know, you look out of the window in the background and you see cars moving in the streets. Yep. Same concept, but blow it up a hundred times bigger. Um, right. There's the mm -hmm. one scene when you are underwater in like oh, what a scene. submarine or whatever oh, you want to yep. call it. And you see... You are moving through the water, underwater, and they have the little submarine in the background. And it's how they do it is even fascinating. It's like there's um, props in front of you and behind you. It looks like yeah. it's going into, but then it also looks like it's a flat screen. Um, it's crazy. So my other thing I wanted to talk about was I enjoyed the voice acting so much. I thought it was, one, the voice itself. I forget the, the guy's name who did it, but... So well done over the top. I love the interaction that you have with the narrator mm -hmm. and for each scene. So when mm -hmm. you move from scene to scene, you have your hierarchy narrator, but the narrator actually interacts with the scene. So for there's right. an example when he's talking about little Tommy is watching something and 
looking at girls, and then you hear the mom's like <laughs> right that <laughs> written and be like, "Not my boy, little Johnny." Like right. Like, so, and in that regard, Andrew, you're absolutely right. And I know you've dabbled in in script writing before yeah. with certain things. The script for this ride, too, like you're oh, saying, thanks. the interaction off the charts ahead of it. I, I hate to keep saying we. It's so e easy to fall into a trap and say, "Oh, it's ahead of its time. Oh, it's ahead of its time. Oh, it's." It's this groundbreaking. This ride was truly ahead of its time, and it was truly groundbreaking. And it's really unfortunate that it closed because it was such a a great. And it wasn't a thrill ride. It, it wasn't a ride that is going to move the needle, blood pressure wise, or with teenagers. It but was meant to amaze at, at what we had, the advancements we had made, and right. what we had yet to come. Correct, yeah. Jay. The, the subtlety in in seeking out the good in humanity, which I think. You really need these times, especially after this past weekend with, with what, oh, yes. what went on in various places. Um, you know, you, you forget because everything is bad, bad, bad. You put the news on, it's bad. You put this on, it's bad. This ride aspired to, to tell you, listen, it's not all bad. There are good people. We, you know, we got to communicate. We got to open up lines of communication. We got to be willing to, to do that with each other. And that's what this ride was, which, and again, goes back to Spaceship Earth is about communication. And it is, but it's only about communication. Th this ride is, is about all of it. Communication, about, about energy, about space. It's, it's, it's crazy. J Jay, I mean, we've kind of, me and Andrew have, have talked a lot about Horizons here. And I, and I don't know, I know you've been super busy, but, but do you have anything that stood out to you about Horizons when you're doing the research? Well, I think what, what really stood out to me is something that you're going to be touching on here in just a minute. Just the fact that it actually had three different Correct. endings, three very Correct. distinct en endings. Right. So that's, so that's what I wanted to talk about the most was that you go to Spaceship Earth now, and you can do this little thing where you can put, touch the screen, and, yeah. and that's cute. It took them 40 years after that ride opened to do it. Right. They did this in Horizons in 1983. It was a choose-your-own ending. Yeah, I mean, exactly. to me, Jay... I love the Brava Centauri in uh, the space station scene. Oh, I don't know if you had a favorite. Mesa Verde, the, the desert farming scene was great. Right. Uh, and the sea castle, Andrew alluded to earlier about the submarine scene. And, and I got to tell you, that's a standout scene in the attraction. Um, but, but did you have one that you liked when, when you, know, you, you touched on already? Reference? The Brava Centauri was my favorite scene. Oh, what a, what a good ending. What a absolutely. Fantastic. I mean, listen, did it play a 30 second video on, on the screen? Uh -huh. On the it sure did. did. Okay, yep. I'm not saying this is blown away stuff, but no, no, no. did you know this is something I found out today actually reading some books that I, I have? The model for the Mesa Verde scene was 32 feet by 75 feet for that oh, okay. small screen. They filmed it in a hangar in a Burbank airport. That's insanity. And so again, when you look at a $60 million price tag, you can understand where all of this went to. They spared no expense. What the downfall was here, infrastructure was a problem. With all yep. that steel, Florida swamp it. Okay, that's up. And they lost sponsorship. Now, I don't want to make this about sponsorships and, and, and all that because... I think it's a different episode to understand why some of these rides needed sponsorships. Well, you got to understand, yeah, in 1983, I, the Disney, Disney wasn't company a billion-dollar was, company. Yeah, no, I, they weren't in a I, good I, way. The Disney company was not in a good way. Um, and, and you know, it's actually I mean, genius if you think about it. Right. So it you, really is. But it's good for. But it's it's a symbiotic relationship 
uh, sure. General Electric, the sponsor, they're, you know, presented by GE. You know, that's it. Great. You know, there's some GE appliances in, in some of the scenes, and it's easy for them. You know, Jack Welch, the, the CEO of GE at the time, designed this ride with Walt Disney right. and, uh, with Imagineering. So, so it, it was a symbiotic relationship. It wasn't like Disney said, oh, give us your money, we'll make a ride. They were very inclusive in the process and and they did yep. have a couple of different names for the for the uh for the ride that future probe was one of them they right. changed that due to you know probe being you know a misnomer for various things uh <laughs> century three i think was one of the other names yep. they, had, they had mentioned uh for for various yeah. times i just they were wanted to, to clarify because i know you jumped over it really quick but so as you as you said there is an interactive part at the end where you have some buttons that you can push in your car mm-hmm. And you have the options to choose from space, desert, or undersea. Yeah. Yep. And each person in the cart has the ability to select one. Right. And what what it does is it takes whoever had the highest number of votes. Yeah, it's a majority rules. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if you're that one guy that wanted desert in the back, you probably weren't getting it. <laughs> uh, that is correct. You were not getting that. Sorry. I would say um, that was probably the least clipped if I had to guess. Oh, yeah. But let's, let's well, so we talked about Downfall and... We, we've talked about it being ahead of its time. And, and I've talked about replacement attractions and, and spiritual successors. And in a way, the attraction that replaced this is a spiritual successor to Horizons. It, is. it, it really, really is. And, and, and it gets a bad rep. Of course, we're talking about Mission Space. I personally Personally, love Mission Space. I think it's a great successor to what Horizons was. Hell, in the queue, you have the the, the gravity wheel from right. the space scene right there in in the attraction. So, yep. I mean, I know Andrew, you're a fan of of Mission Space as well, and and I I would say the problem I have, and now that they've kind of made the green and orange team. Where you can take your your little littler children on right. the attraction, they've made it accessible. I, I felt like you took a great ride that told a great story, and for various reasons you had to shut it down. Fine, yeah, but you replaced it with an out and out thrill ride, which isn't accessible to everybody. And Mission Space, believe it or not, tells a great story. And one day we will tell that story. It's not tonight, but Mission yeah. Space itself tells a great story. It, it's a great Absolutely. attraction. It, it it's they've got everything you would need. It's interactive in every way. It's, it's a great ride. It's a I thought it was a, a nice successor to Horizons, even though I am bittersweet that Horizons is in <laughs> fact gone. Uh, I would I mentioned it very quickly. Uh, there is a Robert McCall mural that was in this attraction as well when you were leaving. Um, the prologue and the promise. I did post that to Facebook as well. That was done on a 19 foot by 60 foot canvas. So right. you're asking yourself, well, what the hell did they do with that when they knocked this building down? They did delicately take it down. Right. Um, I believe they sectioned it out, and it is in undisclosed Disney offices uh, throughout Burbank, and I think some are in Orlando as well. But they do have every bit of that still intact in different places. Um, but that is, uh, what if you have the opportunity to check it out, uh, looking at it online doesn't really do it justice, but what a mural it really is. And think about it being a 19-foot-high and 60-foot-long hand-painted canvas by uh, by Robert McCall and his wife. So, 
that's Horizons, boys. Yeah, absolutely. That was a <laughs> that's fun Horizons. <laughs> so why don't we um, move over on to? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> why don't we go to that next really big attraction on our list? Well, let me tell you. Is it my favorite? No comment. Did no, I know it's what it, cool though? Did it's I know cool. it existed? No comment. But what I'm <laughs> talking about is 1971 original debut attraction. The Davy Crockett Explorer Canoes. Which is shocking to me. It was a C-ticket attraction. It wasn't like it was an A-ticket. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was a C-ticket attraction. What shocks me more is it still exists in Disneyland. That is true. So what this is, is we're going over to Tom Sawyer's Island in Frontierland, you know, where the Banks Bay River boat is. Um, and what you did, well, near there, um, is it was a trackless 35 foot long canoe um it held up to uh, 20 guests and yeah it was 35 feet and you you better believe the guest paddled you had someone that was the stern in the back who stirred the boat and you had a tour guide uh davy crockett in the front who actually would stand up facing you and give you a tour the best way to really describe what this attraction was is think Jungle Cruise on a much smaller scale where Davy Crockett gave you the tour of the land and filled you with puns and jokes and all sorts of things. Two of two, two quick little jokes I'll tell you was, um, as you know by Big Thunder Mountain, he says, um, did you know Big Thunder Mountain is made of sandstone? So don't take it for granted. Um, <laughs> and then the other one he says is that is uh, awful. That's uh, terrible. Um, when you are getting and they said off the jungle cruise jokes are bad. <laughs> when the ride is over, he says, "I'm going to tell you what my father told me at age 18. Get up, get out. The the free ride is over." Um, so again, it's that's the type of humor it is. Um, children were required to wear life jackets um, and adults could wear them if they didn't feel comfortable as well but um, yeah I mean it it was interesting it closed in 1994 most likely due to financial cuts that's when um, you know they were again going through some some changers and um, you know at the time they had new management or CEO if you want to call it and they were looking to change things up. So, I mean, that's the ride. I don't know what if you guys really have anything else to say about it. Well, it's funny. I do, actually, um, which is shocking to me. But I had to go real deep for this one. Um, so it's funny because they had a, a sister uh, attraction yep. to this, the Mike Fink Keelboats. Which was a little bit different. It wasn't quite as bad as oh, rowing okay. a canoe. In, here. you know, the swamp in Orlando. So uh, both attractions were actually based on the Disney television series, Davy Crockett. And a couple of these episodes that became like feature length films, um, Davy Crockett's uh, keelboat race, which is the Mike Fink keelboats. Mike Fink in the shows was, was a rival of Davy Crockett. Uh, and then Davy Crockett and the river pirates. Uh, the keelboats actually ran a little bit longer from 71 to 2001 so they let they ran a little bit longer so what happened is is um i believe one of the canoes capsized huh. in huh. in disneyland 
Um, and, and the ride did close for a little bit in Disneyland. It is back now in a little bit different of an incarnation than, than what they had originally. Um, so that's kind of why um, it just kind of became, again, I don't even know how they have this attraction in Disneyland with insurance regulations. Uh, uh, and, you know, what if you have no. a torn rotator cuff or something? I mean, I just look at it and say, well, I don't know if this happen. is a great idea, but okay, you know, who am I? Um, but again, I'm a softie for, for Davy Crockett. I, I have I have the Walt Disney Treasures collections, so I'm actually fairly familiar with the uh, Davy Crockett's Keelboat Race. It's a good episode of of the show, um, but I don't know if there's anything real crazy about this attraction. But it does it does take me back again for a little nostalgia, saying it would be kind of fun to have this still. Like I yeah I mean yes and no. Of course you get the jerk that isn't going to paddle the boat. That'd probably be me. Oh, but, absolutely would be you. <laughs> so, but you, you look at it and say that it could be a good time. It could be a good time. You know, if there are any listeners out there from California, don't we have a lot? Um, if there's someone that that has gone on this ride just recently, I, I'd love to at least chat with them or send us an email. I, I, I would like to see some hands-on experiences nowadays. Because like we keep saying, back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, it was a different time, like you said, Bub. And, and today, I bet you there's more than just one or two people on that canoe that aren't paddling. You know? Oh, I guarantee it. So, it, it, Probably most of the people aren't wanting to. And, you know, and, I, and, and, and you talked about insurance and stuff. I just did a quick brutal on, on, on accidents. And first thing that came up was 1990. Uh, an entire canoe sank. <laughs> <laughs> So right. I, I can only imagine, you know, and that probably goes back to Bob when you said it maybe shut down for a little bit too. But um, yeah, I, 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 this is shocking that there's a ride like this that's still open. But um, I think yeah. the irony here, though, is that it's actually available in several locations still. Let me check my notes here. Uh, Disneyland, Tokyo, and Shanghai all have Davy Cro- some version of the Davy Crockett Explorer canoes still in operation today. So. It's that's uh okay. Good for you, Shanghai. Oh. Now they're 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 blaming the weight of certain guests on the attraction. But correct. Anyways. So All it's right, funny well, when they when they <laughs> did drain the rivers of America, uh they found tons of Mickey Mickey ears. Um actually half of a canoe they didn't even know sank initially. Maybe that's the one from nineteen ninety. Um and they actually found a bunch of cell phones people didn't even realize they dropped out of the canoe. I mean, rowing a canoe is, is physically, exa- you're exerting a lot of hey, force. It's not. You know, a few episodes have talked about ways of staying cool. This is not one of them. So this I, is, yeah, no, this is the complete some, opposite of that. Give me some deodorant, some gold bond after this one, because let me tell you. Yeah, that, one, of those, I, one of those towels you were talking about? Oh, yes. Yeah, okay, <laughs> the, fro- the frosty towel is a must. Um, they should just hand, if you go on this ride, they should almost give you one for free. Oh, it's like that scene from Austin Powers in Goldmember. Oh, smoking a crate, <laughs> bonging a blitz, uh, canoe riding a towel. Yeah, it's very good stuff. Good stuff. But, okay. I mean, I know Austin we want to keep talking about um, David Trotter to support canoes, but um, I think we can kind of go the opposite direction from this, you know, frontier legend. To once again, a dark ride. And when we they say dark we mean an absolutely terrifying ride something you wouldn't even expect to see in the parks but here we are the alien encounter welcome 
to the universe of XS. You're about to experience the latest scientific wonder brought to you by XS Tech, the galaxy's leader in innovative high technology. This was based off of the movie Alien and Aliens, of course. Sci-fi super hit, I guess you could say. And it was actually completely 100% terrifying. And that's what made it great. Absolutely. So this was most of the action that happened in this was done in absolute complete darkness. You didn't see a whole lot, but there were sounds all over that it was a round theater. So everything bounced off of each other and it really made it seem like it was right next to you as it was happening. In fact, right before it opened, Michael Eisner said it wasn't intense enough. Yes. And tried to make it even more intense. But what this is was, of course, like I said, it was supposedly they had captured one of the aliens and you see it. And next thing you know, they say, oh, no, it's escaped. You're sitting there and they've, they said this is too intense for kids uh, under the age of 12. You're sitting there in an over the head harness that would bounce and make it seem like there was actually an alien there bouncing on you. Agreed. And 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 my my favorite part, which a lot of people don't even understand, is that it's it's actually called the extraterrestrial alien encounter. Yeah. And they, terror. They, they capitalize extra terror. You know. Oh yeah. Yes. It's ge- genius. Genius. But um. So what I I like, and I want to back it up, and I, I think yeah. Jay did a pretty good job of telling you the story real quickly, and. Again, they, they had wanted it to be about Alien. Um, unfortunately, the, the deal didn't work out. They actually brought um, Lucas, George Lucas on did. to help write an original story uh, with Lucasfilm. They actually recorded it in binaural sound to have two mics for recording the sounds to create the, the 3D uh, stereophonic uh, sensation that you get in this attraction. So a lot of this attraction, like Jay said, does take place in the dark but it's sensory like it is it is sound it's feeling it's sight it's it's not a lot of sight because it's pitch black it's smell it's 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 gnarly stuff i want to bring it back to the pre-show though because you know i'm a big fan of this pre-show oh yeah me too because if it if it can't be done with excess it shouldn't be done at all and don't you forget it Um, my notes (laughs) yeah so so the guests, the guests were entered, ushered into the Tomorrowland Interplanetary Interplanetary Convention Center. Access um, Tech was there. Um, you know, enough to interrupt up. You know what the pre-show reminds me a lot of is the uh, dinosaur ride. A I sitcom? Like... <laughs> no, the ride. Dinosaur, not the show. Oh, um, dinosaurs is a good show. <laughs> yeah, not your mama. But it, it's almost like the same music and the same. There's there's a quote I remember that reminds me a lot of Dinosaur 2 where they say, the only way to seize the future is to grasp the present. Correct. It, it, it's kind of like the, if you could almost change future to past and Correct. present. To fu- I feel like you could, it's a dinosaur quote, you know? It right. is that same. Well, this came first. So really, dinosaur would be an alien encounter yes. quote. Well, yes, so yes. I, I, yes listen, I'm splitting hairs at that point. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so I actually really like there's several monitors in this area that display other things that are coming to this convention center. A few of my favorite, yeah. Mission to Mars, History or Hoax. That's a subtle <laughs> reference to a previous <laughs> occupant here. 
uh, Mission to Mars and Flight to the Moon. We're not going to talk about those tonight. Those may be coming soon, though. Stay tuned. Uh, the Flight to the Moon and Mission to Mars use the similar technology, the theater and the round technology, to simulate a moon, a rocket, rocket to the moon or a rocket to Mars. So, um, yeah, so this cha- is- there was another championship pet show. <laughs> That's a good one. So this is um, still and, the first pre-show. Show. Hold on. Well, yeah, this is still in pre-show number one. This is the first <laughs> pre-show room. Yep. It's it's lively. It's okay. The Walt Disney Company's Pan-Galactic Stockholders Meeting, featuring a transmission from Lunar Disneyland, the happiest <laughs> place off Earth. I just, I, I just, I, I loved it. It was so well done. The, the little jokes. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. It, what this what this does is it disarms you a little bit. It the, does. This pre-show right. one, you don't expect what's coming. Let me tell you, and the this... ride has been closed for twenty years, and I still don't expect what's coming. No, it's so it, it, this is one of those perfect examples of Imagineering, right? Where they they created more than attraction. They created this company, right? S experience. They created these slogans. They they created a real brand, right? Um, you know, you mentioned all those. You can't forget the sign that's actually outside the doors that reads "The Extraterrestrial Alien Towner is a frightening, uh, theatrical experience in a confined setting with loud noises and moments of total darkness. May be too intense for children and some adults." Yeah, I mean, we've all been that adult. A minute or not, we were all those adults. Were like, "What is happening right well, now?" Well, I wasn't an adult at the time. I was only like fifteen, but the ride scared the bejesus out of me, and I loved every minute of it. Absolutely. Should we uh, move into pre-show number two? Pre-show number two is where we meet the Sir S I R, voiced by none other than the legendary Tim Curry. I'll tell you what, nineteen ninety-five. If you weren't scared before, just hearing Tim Curry will get you there. <laughs> And in a 1995, Sir was an unbelievable animatronic or robot. Correct. A lot of movement. A lot like, of movement. Like, unbelievable. You know, yes. I thought... Uh, yeah, I'll... Well, I'll tell you this. Sir and the actual alien that does the damage... Ah, uh, Skippy. Nope, not Skippy. Skippy doesn't do the damage. No, oh, I'm sorry. The actual... Gotcha. Right. The actual not... alien The alien that attacks you... Not Xenomorph, and, who was supposed and to... And Sir... Let me tell you. Well, you know what the the original robot was supposed to be called, right? It wasn't Sir originally. Yeah, correct. It was. Uh, it was Tom, Tom uh, two thousand, three thousand, or two thousand. Yeah, <laughs> two thousand. Which was actually voiced by Phil Hartman, the late great. Oh, that would have scared me too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> for other reasons. <laughs> I mean, who wants to hear this stuff from their parents? Huh? Am I right? Right, right, right. Well, he's been down in the. He's been down in the basement drinking coffee for the past four hours. Matt, come on up. <laughs> well, Matt Foley for you, everybody. Um, so oh, yeah. Skippy, I, did, I did love Skippy, Andrew. You're right. I'm glad we did mention Skippy, the little furball-looking guy. I actually have the Vinylmation figure of Skippy and the crazy alien. came with wow. a two-pack. The alien's like a nine-inch one, and Skippy's a little three-inch. It's fantastic. He reminds me <laughs> of one of the guys from Captain EO. And I can't quite put my finger on it, but if I did some more research, I would tell you which one. I'm sorry. Um, now, but... <laughs> now, now, part of, part of pre-show two, there was a theme, right? So, XS is now showing off their technology, right? Teleportation, baby. Teleportation yep. of poor the guinea pig, Skippy. Skippy. Um, and they were moving them from one side of the room to the other. Now, it was going to be painless. 
Well, right. it wasn't, right? He was all burnt. He looked Skippy like he was got, pain. Skippy got jacked up. He did. <laughs> now, the whole this introduces the story of the ride, right? That one lucky audience member is going to be teleported, right? Out of the Walt Disney World to the home planet of Etsas and mm-hmm. whatever, wherever they are located. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you were supposed to be lucky enough to do that. Now I think I think let's I think that kind of wraps up the pre-show. So let's let's move on into that story, right? Yeah, so what Chairman Clench is there now? Ah, uh, yes. Um, so again, you're greeted by all them, him and the team members, and all that, mm-hmm. and you get that lucky audience member. Now, once they start introducing it, there's of course uh, it's not working, right? There's there's issues. So they say, <laughs> yeah, think well, a hurricane at Isla Nublar when <laughs> in Jurassic Park. <laughs> well, their solution is, well, we can't bring you one of you guys here. We're going to bring one of our team member employees to you, which to me is like, who the hell wants to see that? Like, what's like, that's not going to be a fun attraction for me. You know, like, what if that happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what still if... throwing curveballs, still throwing curveballs at you here. Uh, but that didn't happen either. Right, Bob? What, or Jay? I mean, what what really? Happened? Well, so Chairman Clinch was going to come down. Couldn't handle the mediocrity of his staff. I mean, he probably hired them. He's the chairman. So let's be honest, it's his fault. But so Chairman Clinch is going to come down. Um, but, you know, just in the way things happen in these Disney attractions, something goes horribly, horribly wrong. And the tractor beam zips over to another crazy planet. Clinch goes there and some crazy winged looking creature comes to us live in central Florida. And that is truly where the ish hits the fan. So he's described as um, large wings, reptilian tongue, yep, uh, glowing red eyes. I mean, right there, I'm done. I'm out, right? <laughs> I, I hear that, and, like, that's enough for me. Um, right, so they say don't panic the whole nine yards. Um, and then, obviously, the glass breaks. So here's my favorite line from Commander, right? <laughs> he says, if you remain perfectly quiet, it probably won't eat you. Probably. <laughs> no, probably. It probably won't. I mean, just don't move. Um, great, great stuff. So then, I mean, that's when I think the true experience, right, really starts yes. getting you going. Um, and the effects are just, you know, it's it's, it's messed up. Are right? they- are they it's, out of this world? Well, you could say that. So it, you hear, it, and people may not have known this at the time, but what happens is is you actually hear slurping and crunching followed right. by warm water. What that was supposed to be is he just ate somebody in the audience and spit blood on you. Correct. Yeah. That, that's Love what it. that was. Um, so dark. I, Much I, darker I, than hell at Mr. Toad, let me tell you. I, Oh, evil place, this Disney. Uh, Sick-minded folks. But it's a sick world we live in. Sick people. Um, and some of the other natural, um, you know, things they do there is he, he pushes on the, your shoulders, right? So I love the tube behind you. That's the warm air. Oh, and yeah. it's like he's licking your neck. It's so it's so spectacularly creepy in every way. Well, he's supposed to be leaning, right? Because you're wearing like a harness, like a roller coaster, mm-hmm. and he's supposed to be pushing down on your shoulders. So you get that little pushed. And if yep. I remember correctly, there's one or two pushes that are like all okay, legit. That right. okay? Like I you cracked my back a little. I'm tapping bit. out, tapping yeah. out. Um, and then you get that breath on your your neck, like like you said, and, and that. Yeah. But, uh, I uh, mean, what a, what? 
all what around. What an attraction. What an experience. I mean, how does... I mean, it, it doesn't fit. I mean, it doesn't. There's just there's nothing that you could sell me on on how that fits. Now, I'm, am I glad they did it? Okay, so I'm going to sell you on it. I don't know that we want to do this tonight, but I'll sell you on it real quickly. I'll give you a Cliff Notes version of why it fits. Because if you go back to my earlier notes of pre-show one, Tomorrowland is supposed to be, at this point, an active city. This is the convention center. You are at a convention with this technology. The backstory is you are in this convention center to see this technology. They didn't, and they didn't count on Chairman Clench getting beamed to the wrong planet and having some, having some alien come rip you to friggin' shreds. That was supposed to happen in the storyline. If you look at it, you got the timekeeper when you walk in. You, then you have um, the, across the hall, you got a, a, this attraction, Alien Encounter. Then you go up a little further and you have uh, a dream flight if you had wings, stuff like that. that Listen, became buzz. I got to stop you. We're getting into the territory of, of Dino Land. And I hate to even say this. Well, right? I don't think it's that bad. It could that, be, but I don't it know is. if it's that bad. It, it, I mean, Tomorrowland kind of speaks for itself. I agree. But it's getting into these hidden. Next story. level stuff. And again, I don't want okay, to. Get but into you know it, what ties but... it together? The Tomorrowland Transit Authority tells you that whole story. The Tomorrowland Transit Authority narration, when all of this stuff was open, told you that story about Tomorrowland. No, I. So I it's agree. not nearly as bad as Dino Land. Well, they have someone explain. I mean, they at least all... tried to explain it to you. We talked briefly today about Tar- Tomorrowland and how we feel of where it's going and where it's gone. Um, we don't need to get into that tonight because that's a topic in itself. No, but I think that's a good conversation for Mr. Keist if he's listening tonight. Do your research. You want to do a Tomorrowland episode? Absolutely. Um, so quickly, that that was closed, unfortunately, in 2003. Um, they say it was due to cost and maintenance problems. Medi mm-hmm. um, say it's a. It was like almost like a cover up because it was too scary, too intense. You know, a year later, Stitch's Great Escape opened up. I I truly, truly get it. I get why they did that. It's actually, I'm okay with it, but the ride itself is not good. Again, it paled in comparison to Alien. It, I mean, I understand, I can see that Stitch would have been a, a great replacement, being that it's still space-themed, and, and you've got this, I guess you could say, semi-scary, happy-go-lucky alien that escaped, but well, let me it, ask you this, the, the execution thereof was kind of just subpar. Let me ask you this, Jay. If Alien Encounter never existed and Stitch's Great Escape open, what do you think? Oh, I, as much as I love Stitch. Oh. I, I bet you would have liked it. You would have enjoyed it I more than I probably would have. You're right. You're right. You know, it, it, classic, classic Jurassic Park 3 syndrome. If Jurassic <laughs> Park 3 is called Attack of the Dinosaurs, nobody cares. It's an entertaining movie. But because it's called Jurassic Park 3, there's a built-in expectation level, and the movie absolutely blows. Because <laughs> this replaced, because Stitch replaced Alien Encounter, such a landmark, creative, intense attraction, we went from blood and guts and gore and everything like adult about that attraction to chili dog breath in our face. That's <laughs> right. all you need to know about why that doesn't work. Yeah. Because I watched the video of Stitch today, too. I watched the pre-show. They didn't do anything no, to it. They changed they, zero. They, they dressed Sir 
up in like an apron and stuff. And <laughs> it just, it, it sucked. It was, <laughs> they would have been better off ripping it down, ripping that stuff out and just making it about Stitch. I'm all for a Stitch attraction, just not using the bones of Alien Encounter. Right. I, mean, it la- I can't believe it lasted 14 years. But let me, let me, let me test your knowledge on this, Bob, because I never understood what was with the, the seasonal openings, right? So in, in 2016, it, it kind of shut down for yeah. not good, but it, it went to more of a a special event or special ticketed seasonal attraction. I mean, is that really because of cost and maintenance? Yes. So to fully appreciate that, you have to go back to Horizons. So Horizons at the end of its run in 1994 lost its sponsorship with GE. So at that point, they shut it. They then redid Universe of Energy and World of Motion to test track an Ellen's Energy Adventure. So they reopened it on weekends and holidays only for crowd purposes. So I'm going to tell you this. If it wasn't crowded at Magic Kingdom a certain time of year, Stitch wasn't getting opened because it cost people to run it. It cost electricity. And then you had to make sure that there's two rooms. You got to make sure that both Stitches are operational. There's animatronics involved. Yeah, it's a cost-cutting move. One, they probably should have just closed the attraction in general and made it the Stitch meet-and-greet. And And again, I think, Jay, that's what we were talking about. That's what's there now. probably should have just done that initially and had a really cool meet-and-greet for Stitch and even Captain Gantu and and some of his other friends. I think you could have done a solid little Stitch meet-and-greet. And And then you could have had Stitch and friends. You could have done other uh, alien-type characters even it's underutilized had, space right, it right. Definitely even, even if you had like tomorrowland you could have had an aliens there you could have done a lot with that space instead of doing what they did i, I, mean, I that, would i would like to think that d23 we see something about that well the rumors are there that's going to be wreck it ralph which i still don't understand but i don't yeah. understand how that fits tomorrowland in I, any I, way whatsoever i so, just hope they don't bring out the pleakly <laughs> Uh, you imagine a pleakly? You know, you know, they could make it like a a, a stitch experience where you get swarmed by mosquitoes. <laughs> uh, oh, that would be hilarious. Well, they really like me. <laughs> oh, good well, stuff. Good oh, stuff good there. Point. Let's. I think we need to move on to um our last ride and by far not the least but um bob take it oh away. it's certainly last it's certainly not least and if you thought i waxed poetic about horizons and we collectively waxed poetic about what we miss about alien encounter break out the tissues because there might be tears for this one right i originally this yet to be named attraction was going to be a pavilion in Future World in Epcot. It was going to be where Soren is between Imagination and the Land. And then Michael Eisner, you know, stooping to subterfuge and, you know, other various misdeeds, when he was at Paramount, had been in a meeting with Universal Studios, seeing their development of a studio park that was going to open down the street from Disney. Hmm. Michael Eisner left Paramount came to work at Disney and said, hey, you know, we need, we need a studio park. We need to get it operational by 1989. What can we do? Well, you see, Mike, we have this idea for a film pavilion over 
for an Epcot. No, 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 no. That's going to be the centerpiece of our studio. Let's go with it. And that became... That's my Michael Eisner impression. I don't think it's very good. I'm working on it. <laughs> uh, and that got us the great movie ride. Action! Arguably the greatest dark ride ever made outside of Tower of Terror. And um, I will tell you this. This one stings a little bit to talk about because it's still kind of fresh. The wound is still there. It only closed a couple of years ago. In fact, two years ago uh, this month it closed. So... I think we're all pretty familiar with the great movie ride and what it was. Um, again, similar to Horizons and Alien Encounter, epic in scope. Epic in scope what they wanted to do here. Um, and we'll get into it a little later in some of the scenes on what they really wanted to do and what MGM was charging them per 30 seconds of dialogue from The Wizard of Oz. It was an obscene number. Um, but let's just break it down. You walk into a full-scale replica of the Chinese theater. You walk into the lobby. One thing I never liked, and Andrew, I want to get your opinion on this, because yeah. we have spent hours waiting in that. That queue, the switchback queue in yep. the theater room, is quite possibly the worst queue <laughs> I've ever been in my life. It is. Um, and, and, and just to hit on your, your, your rewind button there for a second, the full-scale... They actually used the original 1920 the blueprints yep. for the Chinese Correct. theater, which is which is amazing. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you have the you have the two cues, right? Uh, again, Disney loves making you think that oh yeah, there's the door. Once I get inside that door, I'm going on the ride. No, they're right. wrong. No. Uh, so yeah, you have the theater lobby, which is cool because it has the digital movie posters, um, which are changing. No, had... not originally, but now they did. Yes, correct. They have actual real life film costumes, props, and set pieces, which, as me, a big movie guy, love. And they had right. the ability to, to change them in and out quite a bit, right? Right. Um, but then, yes, Bob, you get into the pre-show. God bless Robert Osborne. But I, when you're stuck in that room... R.I.P., Biggie. For, for, for however long you're in there, 30 minutes, it felt like sometimes. Correct. And you hear the, the insight and commentary of the various motion pictures and film genres and and westerns and romance. I mean, oh my right. god, you just want to get to the door of the studio at the end so you can get to the loading dock. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, it was fun the first go around, which was probably five minutes, and after that, yeah, right. get, me, get me out of so, here. I will say, before we go much, much further, keep in mind that Disney tried and failed to bring this attraction specifically to three other parks worldwide. And you say, you know, why? What's the, what's the problem? Well, Funny. Walt Walt once said that here in Florida we have something special we never enjoyed at Disneyland. The blessing of size. There's enough land here to hold all the ideas and plans we possibly imagine. I don't think, and even in this instance where the studios is significantly smaller than any of the other parks, it's got a screwy layout so it seems bigger, but it actually... At least in terms of Epcot and Animal Kingdom, it is significantly smaller than both of those parks. So when they were going to bring this to California, nowhere to put it. This is a big, this is a big building. Because you look in the Chinese theater, that's not the show building. The, the show building is behind. If you get an aerial view of oh, this yeah. park, the show right. building is massive, 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 <laughs> massive. Um, and actually, real quick note before we break down the A mode, the B mode, what you did, and, 
and oh. and the hooray for Hollywood shenanigans that ensued. Oh yeah, one of the few rides from this mid '80s to mid to late '90s and even to today, no gift shop, just straight out when you were done, right oh. out back into the park. Or a bit of big gift shop. No, no, but it's you know I mean listen, I have the you know, final curtain, you know, for this, I have the t-shirt from this closing. Yeah. You know, they, they could have had t-shirts and they, they sold the, the, you know, the, the little Mickey Oscar statues and they could have done a little gift shop, but they didn't. I think that's a testament to, to this attraction that it was a truly standalone experience, shall we say. So, um, you got, you got two modes, a mode and B mode. Um, obviously one mode, you get hijacked in Gangster Alley. The other mode, you get, you know, hijacked in the Western scene. So before we get there, though, there were 12 different show scenes. We're going to break them all down for you right now. We're going to go quick through most of them. Uh, Footlight Parade, that crazy waterfall scene. Now, you guys, I don't think I ever wrote it when the turntable worked and when the water effect worked. Okay. So I don't know if you guys uh, initially I they have mean, a screen up now with some you know, yeah. streamers, right. but I don't remember ever seeing live the water effect and the turntable turning. I don't think so, I did. Yeah. Oh, so you, you missed two important things from my note. You actually you you briefly talked about the song, the 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 ho- hooray for Hollywood. I mean, catchy song. I was sitting it all night. And then, okay. <laughs> and then, like we kind of talked about it last week, actually, with Andrew, um, this is one of those few rides that has the actual tour guide cast member with you. Correct. Right? And I'm sure you're going to get well into that. But I just wanted to allude to that out front and say it makes those, yeah, that's scripted, but it makes you feel more personal on the ride and i think it, it gives them more experience but oh, sorry similar to jungle cruise yeah similar to jungle cruise it gives yeah. you uh, something tangible rocket canoes you can't forget that i guess but... it's similar to david crockett river canoes sure uh, but sorry to interrupt go ahead no that's fine this is uh this is a free-flowing conversation so by all means if you guys want to talk about the footlight parade some more we can do that let's move on no okay we'll move on from footlight parade uh, of course, then we go into Singing in the Rain. Gene Kelly's there singing under the street lamp. And I want you guys to understand this, and not you you two will, will know this, obviously, but these are all audio-animatronic figures, or some of them are mannequins, but a lot of them sure. are, are moving animatronic figures. Yep. I want you to keep that in mind, because we're going to go through a lot of animatronic figures, and I don't know what research you guys did for what the ride ending was supposed to be, but I will tell you what it was supposed to be, and it would have been magnificent. The ride would probably still be open to this day if they had done it this way. I will say that. So (laughs) we go singing in the rain. That goes into the chimney sweep song from Mary Poppins, uh, the first instance of a Disney film in this attraction. And that's something that I think you're going to want to pay attention to. Disney, when they when they opened this ride, didn't have an extensive film library of live action stuff. I mean, who the hell wants to go to this ride and sit through a scene from Follow Me Boys or the Apple Dumpling Gang? Not many people, <laughs> I can promise you that. Um, so, Mary Poppins, we go into my favorite scene of the ride, bar none. I love it. And I'm not talking about the cabana scene that Jay referenced last week, which is actually a Casablanca scene. <laughs> but I will say it's Gangster Rally. 
my favorite because I'm a big Jim Cagney guy. Um, a really public enemy. Uh, there was some, there were some references to Edward G. Robinson's Little Caesar. Uh, Edward G. Robinson's estate wouldn't allow them to use the likeness, so that's why we didn't get that. Um, unfortunately, I think it would have added to that scene because Little Caesar is one of the the great gangster movies from that era. Uh, the Public Enemy, to me, is the uh, part in the expression uh, "top of the world," ma. Even though that is not Public Enemy, um, but Public Enemy, Little Caesar. So this is kind of fun. This is where it gets a little interactive, like Andrew was saying. So I'm again, if you are in, um, I want to say. B mode because you would be the back car. It's the back car. So the A car would drive through this scene. You would see some stuff. They would interact. There's three or four animatronics shooting back and forth across. And you would go through into the Western scene we're going to get to in a second. The B mode car would stop. And Andrew, since you are such a big fan of the interaction with the live people, I'm going to not tell every story here. I'll let you tell what happens in the gangster scene here. I mean, I don't have a ton of info on Mudsy, but yeah, you get high chats by a gangster named Mudsy. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he overtakes your vehicle. He becomes your tour guide. He does a pretty good damn job, if I must say. Yeah, if he's um, a guy, yeah, right. You love the acting style. You get the gangster type talk. Um, Correct. So what happens is, is he moves forward. He gets into a like a live shootout, right? Am I jumping the gun here? Or am I still on the right? No, page? it's the cap guns. You're you're there. You're yep. there. They get the um, they're the shootout. The car comes out of the corner and they're shooting yep. at them across the way. Yep, yep. And the cool thing, like you said, it is the cap gun, right? So you're not just getting a a, a speaker sound effect. Oh no, um, it's it's real. It, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, and then you're gonna move on into um where you merge in later on. So why don't you go on the other side or let Jay maybe talk about a little bit the Western side. Right? Yeah, my second favorite room in the ride. So Jay, I don't know what you have on it, but by all means, go for it. So with the uh, the Western side, of course, you're, you're seeing all the cowboys and the, you know, they're having their little scene there. Mm-hmm. And, oh, hold on. Sorry. I'm going to take over for Jay here since I yeah, love the Western right. scene so much. Um, so we got Fistful of Dollars in the Searchers, John Wayne Classics, uh, not his best work. I think Stagecoach might be his best, but Fistful of Dollars is very good um, with um, Clint Eastwood in it as well. Uh, um, the Searchers, very good. We got, uh, we got a bank robbery happening. Now this, they use some solid pyro effects uh, when they blow the safe open coming out the side. Uh, to the left of the tram car at this point, uh, nothing crazy, nothing out of control. Uh, it's obviously propane. It's pretty quick. It just opens up and comes through. Um, same situation. If you're in the A car here, this is where the the uh, I don't know the cowboy I guess jumps in the tram and takes you on your way to the next yep. couple of scenes. Um, again, for me, those two, the gangster alley and the western western room, were really the two I thought uh, thematically that did the most with what the story is. And again, I don't know that it's fair because it's whole genres and not just one film. So yeah, yeah. They, they kind of recap a few movies. You know, it, it, it's a whole them. genre. So it, you can kind of pretend you're in whatever movie you want to be in. And those right. instead of like, when you see footlight parade, it's a static scene yeah. of, of but, the waterfall scene. But from I think footlight they, parade. they do reference full movies. Like you said, public enemy for dancer films. I think that's really the only actual movie besides some other, you know, like you said, 
the well, right again. And they have the, the little West... Caesar poster off on the wall. Yeah, but um, now the, in Gangster, Western... in, in the Western room, it's fistful of dollars and the searchers, pretty uh, much John Wayne in general, um, pretty much. But after um, those two scenes, but you move into one of my favorite scenes as you enter a spaceship. It's good stuff. Um, and they have so many cool little references here um, with the cat and um, yeah, it's alien. Backgrounds. It's alien. Let's it. It is alien. Yeah, it is it's, awesome. And right back to the alien. But he attach you from the ceiling. Oh, you don't. I mean, if you don't know about it, you're looking around. I mean, all those type of dark rides, right? You're looking around like, is something going to jump out at me? And yeah, it is. But no one ever expects it's coming from the ceiling. You know, it, yep. it's 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 cool. You just, I just, I'll always, always remember, always. This, I'll probably remember this the most of this ride, the long hallway that you go down in the spaceship. I don't know right. why that always jumps up at me, but it does. Um, and then you go into another landmark film, correct? Right? Um, and that's no other than Raiders of the Lost Ark. And when you enter this room, it's it's amazing because you go from this small, narrow tiny hallway where you feel like you can touch the ceiling and you enter this huge room where you have like the Egyptian gods holding up the pillars and a big stage with the staircase leading up to the ark um you know Egyptian tombs it's it's Anubis Anubis it's a massive scale right and then what happens well if you're on that B cart this is where Mudsy gets his demise right Uh, right and um yeah, so what happens is he goes up to steal um, the the gem, right? And mm-hmm. of course, in a wonderful effect where some smoke comes up. That's time the smoke goes away. You see, Mudzi is now a skeleton. Um, yep. But um, again, That's I brilliant. think that transition <laughs> from the spaceship um, to the temple is just again one of those landmark moments for me that I'll always always remember. Well, it, you know what? It could be jarring, but it's not. That's the irony. Like it could be right. super because it's dark and dank and like you said, very tight in the in the spaceship. And then you're in this bright, huge cavernous tomb-like room. It, it is it is remarkable when you think about it. Absolutely. So from Raiders, and actually, a quick note: there is the hidden R two D two and C three PO. Yep. Of course, they're not there anymore, so don't go looking for them. But maybe <laughs> no, they'll be in Mini and Mickey's Runaway Rail Cart. Uh, so from there, you you hear the sounds of the jungle, right? My, you hear the sounds of the jungle, and you yeah. hear you hear what sounds like Tarzan the Ape Man. And sure enough, to your right, there he goes, flying by on his vine. Right. And this scene again. The transitions they use, and it's very subtle when you go room to room. And to fully appreciate, these cars are long. They're not like these small four-seaters that you're in. I mean, these, these cars right. are meant to hold, you know, 100, 100 people at a time. 70, they're I long, think it was, so, or 90, I forget. Yeah, I so you, you look at it and say, how do they do this? But the transition's smooth, man. When you go from the Ark of the Covenant to Tarzan, it's, it's a smooth transition. You're in the jungle. James up on the elephant. Rumors are that that animatronic is now in Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm just saying that's what I hear. (laughs) Um, So really, really cool stuff there. Again, you're noticing a distinct lack of Disney movies because all of these are pretty much MGM titles at this point. Right. Um, So, but yeah, Tarzan 
Now, I'm not saying Tarzan 1997 Tarzan. I'm saying the originals. Uh, I do own a couple of them on DVD. They're solid enough. Um, but the Tarzan the Ape Man, swinging on the vine, a pretty straightforward scene, but nicely done. Nicely done, which leads into the world of romance. And quite possibly the greatest romantic movie ever made. <laughs> Casablanca. It is the runway scene from Casablanca. And I have been stuck here numerous times. And I will tell you, <laughs> it is the worst experience of my life. I think Second, I've been stuck, actually. I've been stuck Second, there with, oh, E.T., you're talking, of course. No, 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 no. I will say that I got stuck in the Wizard of Oz room in this time one time. Uh-huh. And the damn Munchkin step kept popping up. But they turned the sound off. It was the freakiest thing I've ever seen in my life. But we'll get there soon enough. Uh, so the Casablanca scene, very quick. Uh, the front half of the plane from the Jungle Cruise um, earlier that we mentioned last week. Um, you know, Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Berman, they're there just hanging out, doing their own thing. You know, here's looking at you, kid. You know, you will always have Paris. Um, and, you know, it's beginning a beautiful friendship. I mean, what can be said about Casablanca that hasn't been said already? It's, right. it's again, it's an odd transition to go from Alien to Raiders to Tarzan to Casablanca. I will grant you all of that. But did an amazing job on doing it. They did. Uh, the next transmission, the next transition mm-hmm. is going to blow your freaking mind. It doesn't fit. It doesn't. <laughs> but do you know the story? Fill me in. Okay, so we go to the Fantasia scene. Of this ride. I alluded earlier to the fact that MGM wanted an obscene amount of money for 10 seconds of dialogue from the Wizard of Oz or whatever the number was. So, this initially, the Fantasia scene was designed as the cyclone scene from the Wizard of Oz. And it was going to where Mickey's playing with the water and stuff on that screen to the left of the vehicle. He was going to be, that was going to be the cyclone. And you were going to be swirling around. And they were going to have wind effects and some, I don't want to say strobe light effects, but when you get the, the turning light through the fog, it gives you a kind of strobe light effect that this was going to be the setup for the grand, the, the, the first finale, not the grand finale, the first finale, which was going to take you into Munchkinland. Okay, easy enough, which that's what we do. The Fantasia scene is atrocious. It doesn't really fit with the rest of the ride in any way. I'll be honest with you. The Wizard of Oz scene, you land in Munchkin land. They're singing Ding Dong, the witch is dead, all that stuff. One of the great animatronics ever, period, even still to this day, including the newer ones. The Wicked Witch of the West pops out like she does in the film. Her movements are out of this world fluid it is scary how realistic that animatronic was um i don't know what your experience is with it guys but i know when i went with zachary when it was i want to say his third birthday when we took him we got on this ride before it closed and i will tell you he was petrified of the wizard of oz scene for that reason when the wizard when when the witches the wicked witch of the west pops up all bets are off. It's crazy. Great, great, great effect. Um, and that's kind of where it ends here. So you see that scene, you go around the corner and you see Dorothy and the Tin Man and Scarecrow and Lion off in the distance and they're walking on the yellow brick road and Emerald City's in the background. 
that was supposed to be the transition scene into the next scene that got cut, which was going to be the actual scene with the wizard. But once the wizard said, the pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, all the fires go off, they say, okay, it's going to be some special effects again. You were going to cut to another scene that had curtains. That's the theater scene now. So when you go through the ride and you're through all the Wizard of Oz, you go watch a few-minute montage. Three minutes. Yeah, the movies you just saw. It's a good three-minute montage, though. It's it's probably (laughs) the best three-minute montage I've ever seen in my life. And I watch a lot of montages for no reason whatsoever. Oh, that's odd. It is odd. Don't don't judge me. <laughs> so that that room was supposed to be filled with close to twenty five animatronics representing all the different movies you just saw and the movies that were referenced but weren't necessarily in the ride from the initial pre show. And there was going to be a Robert Osborne overlay. And they were going to highlight each one and tell you who they were. And it was going to be almost like a wax museum ride through. But again, the licensing for Wizard of Oz didn't allow them to use so much dialogue. The licensing for the wax figures of the people that weren't actually in the ride that M jammed on the likenesses to would have been X amount of dollars per person. I'm talking the millions of dollars, not like hundreds of dollars. So really could have been, you could have had probably 14 or 15 show scenes, and then you would have had that final reveal of all the different characters, and they would have all had their little lines in their films. I think if they were able to do everything they wanted to with this attraction, we wouldn't be talking about it on this episode. It's very, I, I, don't, I don't disagree that that's very possible. So, so let's go now, because we all agree uh, that the various montages they show you were great. And the ride itself, slow moving, but had its standout moments of excellence. What do you guys think about the Mickey and Minnie Runaway Railway? What are your expectations? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, we don't, we don't know a ton. We don't know much about it. We, we, we really don't know. I mean, yeah, obviously it's going to be a dark ride. We don't know the pacing. We don't know if it's just going to be a very slow dark ride, if it's going to be slow, fast. I mean, you've got to think there's going to be some type of speed involved if it's a runaway minecart, right? Or, well, or here runaway it's, railway. Here it's supposed to be like illusion of speed. I don't know if it's going to be yeah, super fast. And there's going to be a lot of... Uh, they're supposed to be very high tech projection system. It was like two D and a half, not really three D like glasses. You said, though, but... It's a freaking big building. I mean, yeah, it's a I, huge building. There's no way it's just a Winnie the Pooh or Snow White or Peter Pan. It or or Little Mermaid. It can't be one of those. It has to be more than that. The building is huge. Well, I will say this: if they're putting Mickey and Minnie in their first ever like dark ride scenario. Yeah. It better be freaking great. I, I agree. And they, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, Runaway Railway is an interesting theme, right? Correct. I mean, it, you should know so many ways. Like, I don't I don't get it. I just I need a background. I need a story. And I'm sure there will be one. But we yeah, don't I guess know they're making it. a short 
for this to release when the when yeah. it gets so. Well, speaking of release, this was originally supposed to be fall of this year. It did get pushed back to early 2020. My yeah. guess is we'll get a date or a month um, in a couple weeks at D23. I would say so. I think that sounds fair. I would still project it at soft opening sometime in January where they do previews. I would say yeah. maybe late February, early March, I would project it just from things I've read and I think things we've looked at. I, I would say that's a fair guess on when yeah. it will open. Absolutely. Um, but I'll be interested to see it. I happen to like the new style Mickey Mouse cartoons. I think they're entertaining. Um, it's a little odd. I think they're a little bit more uh, Ren and Stimpy-ish than they need to be. But they're certainly entertaining. They're good. Um, so I'll be interested to see. I know Goofy's going to be the conductor of the train. So I think it could be a, a really fun ride. I'm just interested to see, like you're saying, what they're going to do with it. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, so I, th- I think... That's all amazing info. Like I said, if anyone has feedback or questions or experiences on these sits rides, we'd or, love to hear or, from you. Or, or rides we missed. Now, keep in mind, we have a list of like 25 attractions that we're yeah, looking so, at just very quickly. So It's not that we just, missed any, but more if there's any that you really want to hear about, let us know. Yeah, we'll gladly do the research for you and talk about them. Absolutely, because that's uh, that was fun. I enjoyed it. I think it was a good time. But um, I think we got another little surprise for you over in Random House of Mouse. So this past week, the rock and roller coaster starring Aerosmith turned 20 years old. Andrew, Ooh. can you believe that? Crazy. Um, and we're going to take a look at this instant classic Vacoma roller coaster right now. Um, just some quick facts before we really get into the meat and potatoes of the story here. Andrew, not that, again, I don't think height has a lot to do with this attraction. I think it's more no. speed and adrenaline. 80 feet high, though, no joke. I didn't realize it was that high when we were looking at it. Well, um, is that that high for a roller coaster, though? Let's be honest. Uh, for an indoor coaster, I don't know. I'd have to do research. I don't know. but it 80 feet is seem... probably the opening loop, I mean. Correct, correct. That's <laughs> what I would say. Right, that's probably the high point of the ride, yes. Um, so then you get 3,400 feet of track. Um, you go 0 to 57 in 2.8 seconds. So when you hear Steven Tyler counting down, hang on to those backstage passes. You're welcome. Uh, three inversions is the first time they've ever uh, turned you upside down on American soil. And still, the only time they've flipped you upside down on American soil, I think. Even with Tron, I don't think Tron has any inversions either. So still the only time they've done it, at least on the East Coast, I know that California Screaming or whatever they call it in, on the West Coast, the Incredicoaster does have the loop too. But um, All right, so you get uh, five Gs of force, which is epic. So please keep your head back on this attraction, because if not, you're going to get whiplash. Uh, 1,800 riders per hour, so it's got a real good capacity. Yep. This is, as a, as a music file, as a music fan, and I know, Andrew, you're not as big, 120 speakers in each train. Over 900 speakers total in the attraction. That's crazy. Uh, figure about five speakers per guest in the cars. You know, two tweeters, two mid-range, and a subwoofer. And, Andrew, here's one for you because I'm such a big fan of Sweet Emotion. The cycle time for each train from load to unload, 
4 minutes 34 seconds, which is the exact runtime of Sweet Emotion. So that's uh, I don't know if it's by accident or by design. I, I don't know. I'd have to think it's by design, but I mean that I'm gonna throw a BS flag on that. Why? That I mean From that's... when it pulls into the station and you because go and you're waiting so to the... launch and you go through the ride and then you get off. I mean I think that's fair. But that includes load and unload. I mean that's it's so station dependent. to station. So it's station to station. So it's not you getting out of the car. I think it's from when it pulls out of the station and you're at the launch ramp. Okay. The ride. And then I think that's the, yeah, I don't know that it's necessarily because I don't know how you control people unloading and loading into the car. Correct. That's more believable. Um, Did you know they wanted the Rolling Stones? I did. $10 million the Stones wanted for a year of licensing. Which I guess makes sense. I don't know the figure that Aerosmith ended up getting. Um, for but, doing what? What are you doing? I mean, it's not... Uh, I don't know. Well, you're, 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 you're lending your likeness to it. I mean, I don't know. The I mean, same it, reason that... It's free advertising. I it, guess. It's free if people listen to your music and then wanted to go buy it. Well, you'll be glad to know that Disney didn't pay them $10 million because <laughs> they didn't get the Rolling Stones. Because they were spending too much on Wizard of Oz on the great movie ride. Correct. Way too much on the Wizard of Oz. And that tower, the, the Twilight Zone license they have from CBS is killing them. So they did approach Kiss and U2 as well. Uh, Bono, in all of his godlike wisdom, said oh, he wanted gosh. no part of being Disney. And Kiss wanted as much as the Rolling Stones. And can we all take a moment of silence to thank Bono for not wanting to be part of Disney because we didn't want you part of Disney. It's funny. I'm a U2 fan. I don't see their music fitting in this ride. I don't see the Rolling Stones music fitting in this ride. You could almost convince me that Kiss would have done okay with it. Um, I don't know if their catalog is as... Smith is just the perfect blend because... It can lend to, I hate to say, children. We've also listened to it for 20 years. And that's what it's been. So if it had been the Rolling Stones, it could have never been Aerosmith. That wouldn't have made any sense. You know what I'm saying? I think it's tough. Um, Again, very exciting. The only thing that that, uh, Aerosmith wanted, Steven Tyler and and Joe Perry, had one stipulation outside of the money that they wanted one of the tracks to come from Nine Lives, uh, which was the band's latest album at the time, which was really odd because Nine Lives was not a hit in any any way, shape, or form. So... um, Again, let's start at the queue. And I don't want to start in the, the queue outside because it, it's kind of a crappy queue when you're waiting outside. And, and usually there is a wait. But once you get into G-Force Records, it's a lot of fun. A uh, lot of crazy guitars. A lot of memorabilia. Similar to the Great Movie Ride, they have the interactive posters. And, uh, you know, they'll get you the now recording in Studio C. You know, it'll be Andrew, you know, because the Magic Band RFID technology puts you on there for the digital posters. So that's a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's, it's a fairly straightforward queue. It's, it is. It's, it's a it's, solid it's about, queue. You go right. through several stages of right. everything once again. Um, it's, it is one of the few rides that does offer single rider. So I'm Correct. sure you take advantage of that. Yep. Um, yeah, I think it does a good job once you're inside the building. But talk so, about false advertising. How many? I mean, you have yeah. How many false entrances are there yeah. into this oh, ride? We're going to pr- get there soon. There's probably the five. Pre-show, you've got the pre-pre-show, the alleyway. It's crazy, but yeah. um. So it's funny because I did notice something when I was reading up on it. 
the the exit the, the exhibit of all the recording instruments and the microphones and stuff and the the various older style props uh, there's actually a curator of the collection uh in disney world it's it's mike rofone if you say it quickly it's <laughs> microphone is the guy that curates that collection so that's a little fun okay. uh, you'll hear announcements over the speakers for various musical artists say uh, you know there's a call and whatnot um but then you get outside of studio c and you hear aerosmith jamming you hear yeah, walk yeah, this yeah. way uh, no vocals, just the audio track, obviously. Um, and you walk into the studio, and, and they're there with their sound engineer and, and and going through the different levels and what they want and how they want the layout. And and I think you get the ultimate, oh, how do people? How I do think, people uh, is right, yeah. That's uh, one of our favorite little bits there. Um, so they're supposed to go to their tour show, their, their, tour, their, their concert in L.A. Uh, they're across town. Their manager shows up, tell them they're running late. Uh, you know, Joe, Joe, uh, Joe Perry asks for his uh, Black Les Paul. You know, guy, oh, I'll get it for you, Joe. Okay. Um, so pretty straightforward. But then Steven Tyler gets concerned that, you know, you're not going to, you know, we, can, we can't leave our fans here like this. You know, and he does his little, you know, finger salute on his forehead. And it that has since been digitally all third it's an open hand now and so they convinced the manager to let them do a backstage passes of the ride and that's what you're going to get a backstage pass you exit out of the alleyway um to the lock and roll parking garage which is one of my favorite puns i've ever done and this is where you see andrew you see the launch hill and man there isn't a bigger rush on disney property than that launch hill is there oh yeah it's a great entry to the back alley, which is amazing props and set design. Oh, what a what a design that is! But then your first thing you see is you can hear the sounds and you can see the the takeoff of this exhilarating ride. Because if you've never been on the ride, remember this is a completely indoor roller coaster. So Correct. this is your first look at what am I getting myself into, and yep. you're getting yourself into something. It is wild. It is wild stuff. Um, they do so. You know, you walk through the alley, you get there, you get up, and you get in your vehicle now at this point. And Bill St. James, an L.A. DJ for L.A.'s classic rock station, has some short commentary, um, usually followed by a traffic report. You know, traffic jammed, not, you know, there's a big video board with some graphics. And that's because the launch system has to hit your car up and pull you back and, you know, kind of get every all the pneumatics set up so you, you launch correctly. Um, so then you hear, you know, Steven Tyler, you know, counting down, which I think you just heard. Um, you got the classic line there, traffic bug you, then step on it type stuff. Get, you know, traffic bug you, you know, and you step on it. Clever stuff. Um, and then Steven Tyler counts it down. Uh, long straightaway, you go into a couple uh, rollover, which is a sea serpent roll. Um, so less intense maneuvers, you go through the, the donut sign and, and various L.A. landmarks. It's all black, light, and fast. I mean, you're going 60 miles an hour the whole time, so it, you don't have time to take in the scenery of this. It's an intense roller coaster. It's, it's, it's one they of my... Do. They definitely mm-hmm. do some cool effects, though, to make it feel like you're moving slower and slow you down so you can read some of the signs. Um, they do. They, it, it's, it's more than a roller coaster. It is a story... They they do portray 
uh, like I said, the signage and some of the props. Right. So I see what you're saying. So when you come up over one of the humps, yeah, you kind of slow down. You see the parking garage sign. You see, no, you do. Yep. You're right. Yep, you do. You're right. You're correct there. Um, and you're you're a VIP, right? I mean, that's you get to the red carpet. You're a VIP, right. and you turn the corner, and you're watching the big screen, and Aerosmith is there performing their uh, their encore, and then you're gonna go meet them. So Absolutely. not really, you're not really gonna read Aerosmith. We should have that there. They're not actually in in here. They're just videos of themselves. So before we get phone calls later on, um, Andrew, did you know that Aerosmith actually worked on a special soundtrack for this ride? Because it's such a short attraction, uh, the, the total ride experience from launch to uh, the the red carpet is about uh, 97 seconds or so. So it's a pretty quick attraction. Um, so they did re-record Love in an Elevator to make it Love in a Roller Coaster. Clever there. Um, but for me, did you ever wonder to yourself, man, how do I know what song I'm going to get? How do you How do you know... What, well, Bob, what, I know, but why don't you why don't you share that knowledge? So, so there are there are six cars in the attraction, five that are in operation. One is a maintenance car, and if they need to move it in, they can. That's in the house, and they can they can pull it in. So, you've got one quick limo, that is uh, one QK limo that features Nine Lives from Nine Lives. Uh, that's the only song you will hear. It also does have its uh, actually all of these license plates do have separate uh, spiels and 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 disc jockey and countdowns from Steven Tyler. Uh, so everything you do get here is that way. Uh, you go, babe, is loving an elevator. It obviously was changed to a roller coaster and walk this way. One of my favorites. Um, Andrew, did you know that in 2004? They refurbed it to say "You Go, Babe" because "You Go, Girl" was too sexist sounding. Well, I mean, what is it nowadays? Come on. I, I guess, I guess. So then, one of my favorites. Actually, I think they're all my favorites. I am an Aerosmith <laughs> fan. So, "Bye Bye," B U H B Y E, "Young Lust," uh, F I N E, and "Love in an Elevator." Again, not roller coaster this time. This is "Love in an Elevator." Um, that's a good one. Hate Traffic, H8 Traffic, uh, with no vowels. Uh, back in the saddle, and Dude Looks Like a Lady. And you're thinking to yourself, how does Dude Like a Lady play an, in a roller coaster? <laughs> Excellently, let me tell you. It is wild. Better than uh, you then, would think. Yes, and then Too Fast for You is a live version of Sweet Emotion, which I think is fitting. It's really, really good. So, Andrew... Well, I can ask you, Bob. Let me ask yeah. you, what... Who made the executive decision to cut out one of the best? Don't do it, Aerosmith song. Don't do it. Who? I mean, who made that decision? Uh, you must be referring to "Living on an Edge," "Living on the Edge," or "Deuces Are Wild," or "Just Push Play." I can't imagine what song you're talking about. Oh, Bob, I'm talking about. I can't even say it. No other than the song "Pink." <sighs> I mean. What a song, right? <laughs> I mean, everything about it, including the music video, is out of this world. I guess. I guess Steven Tyler, so obviously it's out of this world. It's nuts. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. It would play well. I don't know that it would, but okay. I, it might. I mean, listen. Dude Looks Like a Lady plays better than I thought it would, so that's fine. Uh, uh, 
I mean, the other side, I think I would have been okay with living on the edge, ragdoll at certain points, deuces are wild, uh, just push play. Also, come that same time period of pink, just push play would have I, I played well. I feel like I believe Jay, big fan of Train, kept a rolling. Uh, he would have put on there as one of the songs. So, really, I always consider this like uh, one of the quintessential new classics from from Walt Disney Imagineering. Uh, when you think about the time frame this ride opened in 1999, uh, a few years before that, you had Tower of Terror. Uh, yeah, Test Track opened up right after this. Alien Encounter opened up around this time frame. Really made Walt Disney World like a, a thrill destination in that mid to late 90s range. Like a real, I don't want to say like a renaissance, because I feel like you use that, you overuse that terminology. Uh, but like, a, a, you know, a pioneering of thrill rides in the parks, because since then they've taken off. You've gotten Avatar Flight of Passage, which is a thrill ride, let's be honest. You've gotten. Uh, Expedition Everest, you've gotten Dinosaur. So I really feel like those four, Tower of Terror, Alien Encounter, Test Track, and Rock and Roller Coaster, kind of opened their eyes a little bit and said, you know, we can make thrill rides that are awesome, that tell stories. Because all four of those rides do. And you wouldn't think that a 100-second roller coaster tells a story, but Andrew hit it on the head, where from the moment you walk in that studio scene, you see Aerosmith leveling out with their sound manager, sound editor, and, and working with their manager and throwing you in the alley. I mean, it just tells a very coherent story. One of my all-time favorite roller coasters, um, if only because the theming is as great as it is. I don't know if the roller coaster structurally is anything that's, like, groundbreaking, but from a theming standpoint, it really is one of the great attractions there. Um Really, I think it's it's held up to this day, and I'd, I'd hate to see it go. And I feel like every couple of years we battle rumors with, oh, it's going to be a Star Wars roller coaster, or oh, it's going to be a Pixar roller coaster, and oh, it's going to be this, or oh, just going to close it and take it down. So, um, interesting. I would like you guys to reach out to me and tell me what other artists you think would fit in the rock and roller coaster. But Andrew, that's all I have for for this rocking yeah. edition of Random awesome. House of Mouse. So much good info and thank you so much for all that and and this week we're introducing something a little bit new and we're introducing ourselves to a new segment called buzz tube hey boy boy if i can just find boy yeah. oh there you are so with with buzz tube it's this new little segment that we'll have every once in a while where we want to talk about what's going on in the social media world, our community, again, our Ohana. And we had we had two big things this past week that we want to talk about. So, Bob, why don't you talk about the first one? Uh, the first thing I want to talk about before I get into BuzzTube is we couldn't even manage a news, an opening segment, main topic, and <laughs> random house and mouse in closing. Hell, let's add another segment to the show for three of us to look into. Why not? We are gluttons for punishment here at the Disney Guys Uncensored. Like Andrew said, this is really going to be our social media corner. From We want to speak directly to you guys, the Ohana uh, that follow us and make it worth our while. So uh, this past week, we had a very interesting post from a uh, raging fan of the show, Tim Candy. Great guy. Oh, you didn't um, say it. He, he put out a post 
in Ohana about getting to know everybody and, and kind of like an introduction to who he was and, you know, for people to put down who they were. And I mean, you could be as specific or, or as vague as you wanted to be. It didn't have to be anything crazy. I know that we did uh, put our own, well, I think two of us did. I don't think Jay has done it yet, but he was busy this weekend. So I know he's, he's got an idea of what he wants to do. Uh, but so it is out there. We do have it marked as an announcement. So you will probably see it as soon as you open up the Facebook page. And I think Andrew, we should keep it as an announcement for another couple of days in case anybody wants to go there and find it again, it's Tim's post. Um, we think it's a really good idea for you guys to get to know each other. Obviously, we love to interact with you, but we'd really love for you guys to interact with one another uh, and, and be kind of uh, connected by your love of Disney. And, and hopefully we bring you guys together and allow you guys uh, an open communication with, with like-minded folk uh, that appreciate what Disney does and what we do for you guys. So... Again, thank you all, all of you Ohana members. It's been a great week of new members. I think we're up to like 178 people or so now. So I look for more exciting things to come from all of our various social media pages. But I'm going to turn it over to Andrew, has been, who has been waiting all week oh. for this very moment, folks. Absolutely. Thanks, Bob. And, and absolutely, as you, you said, thank you so much for the Ohana and everyone out there. We, we truly appreciate the love. And without you guys, we, we wouldn't be here, right? Um, so what we're going to do now is what you've all been waiting for. It, it's exciting giveaway of, uh, our first really big giveaway for Andrew Kice was on last week. We talked about giving away this awesome book, the historical tour of Walt Disney world volumes one and two. Uh, this is kind of a very limited edition. It talks about a lot of the stuff that we talked about last week, as well as a plethora of other information. And we had a bunch of people enter, and what I did was is we have a random generator that we I have in front of me, and I'm going to go ahead and click this thing, and we're going to find out exactly who this winner is. So, with that being said, the winner of our first ever giveaway of the historical tour of Walt Disney World Volumes 1 and 2 is Kelly Griffin. Congratulations, Kelly. Um, that's great. Um, so, what we're going to do here is... You can reach out to us through Facebook, send us an email, anything like that. Um, we'll get your shipping address, and we'll send you over this um, awesome book. So congratulations. So, uh, again, uh, BuzzTube is now there for us to use for, for any type of little feedback like that. And I think that's going to wrap up the show. Um, unfortunately, uh, Jay had to jump off the call due to uh, work engagements, but... Um, he was sad to go, but again, thank you, Jay, and we got you covered this week. Bob, anything else you want to add before we wrap up this episode? Uh, yeah, to all our listeners in Canada, good night. Oh, no, <laughs> you, you don't. You don't. All right, so that's going to wrap up this week's episode of The Lost Attractions. We really hope you enjoyed this. We wanted to do this for a long time, a little bit different. We, I promise you we will do this again at some point soon or in the future. If you have any feedback at all, questions comments anything like that please uh send us an email the disney guys uncensored at gmail.com uh, as always if you want to join our facebook group the ohana 
Go to Facebook and search for the Disney Guys Uncensored uh, Ohana. You'll find us there. It's the main way we communicate to all of you guys. We also now have uh, the Disney Guys Uncensored Business Facebook page. So if you're part of one of them and not both, make sure you are both of them. Uh, you can give us uh, reviews, which we really asked you. Uh, on Facebook, you can give us a review. iTunes, we asked you to please join iTunes. It's so simple to click a five-star rating. But if you really, 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 really want to help us, please give us a short review. I mean, it could be five words. It could be a paragraph. Whatever you think. I'll tell you what. I'll take four stars. I don't want them, but I'll take them. Uh, give us five. Lastly, we ask you, as always, if you want some extra... Um, content again we post every pre-show conversations some of them are awesome some of them are lackluster i'm not gonna and lie some of them are tonight where we didn't say much but um they're there and they're for you if you sign up go over to patreon.com slash the disney guys uncensored you'll receive tons more fun content so as always bob jay myself drew we hope you enjoyed the show and thanks for listening to the disney guys uncensored May Walt Disney World bring joy and inspiration and new knowledge to all who come to this happy place.